What's up all you beautiful people? It's your boy Hobart coming to you freshly caffeinated on this fine Saturday. Um, big things are afoot. Uh, pretty soon going to be launching another podcast uh, with my friends Lesh Wierzynski and Jacob Lacalle. For those of you don't, who don't know, Lesh Wierzynski, he was a guest on this on this podcast a, a few weeks ago. He's the singer and front man for the California Honey Drops and one of my best friends. And uh, Jacob is the Honey Drops sound man, engineer, uh, very responsible for just how good they always sound at their live shows and in the studio. And so... We've gotten together and started a new podcast. It's called The Beeswax. And in it, we're going to be going through their songs. You know, each episode's a different song. And we break down the process, uh, both from a songwriting perspective and a production perspective. And um, really just talk through how the song is made. If there's any little stories, and uh, and I do my best to uh, not put my foot in my mouth too many times and speak through my fanboyness uh, <laughs> and try to help uh, move the conversation along. But it was super fun. We've done one episode so far, and we had a blast. And we're going to be releasing that in the upcoming weeks. So keep an eye out for that. I'll, I'll do my best to try to get the word out. Um, but it's, yeah, it's gonna be really fun, and I love the honey drops and their music, so if you at all are into that kind of stuff, and are curious about how the sausage is made, um, this is gonna be a cool podcast for you to check out. Um, my guest today is a familiar face on the Bartcast. He was our first ever guest here, um, that's right. Jesse Lemmy Adams, front man, well, I guess not really front man, but keyboard player extraordinaire, uh, and primary support role uh, to the Royal Jelly Jive. Um, his beautiful girlfriend, Lauren, is, is the front woman of the band. Um, but Jesse, you know, has numerous projects. Uh, just released an album, JJ Good Vibes, Long Drives to Nowhere. Just one of the most insanely unique, talented, and fearless creatives that I've ever come across. Um, I just love I love this guy so much and love the way that he's able to just be 100% himself in, in every situation, both on and off stage. Um, I had such a blast with him the first time been really wanting to get him back on to do another top 10 episode and uh and today is no exception to that we are doing a top 10 episode of animated movies um you know we gave you our top 10 all time and today we're doing the, the cartoons and animations and uh i think you will be surprised or not surprised at how our lists don't synchronize. Um, we managed to put together another 10 
completely unique list. So uh, it was good. We had uh, Jesse's friend, the lovely Mia, in studio um, with us. And, uh, you know, just as with the first podcast with Jesse, it just always feels like it flows so easily. And uh, this, was, this was a real fun one to do. So I think that's about it. I'll keep this intro kind of short and sweet, but I uh, hope you guys are all staying safe out there and uh, keeping some love in your hearts. And maybe you'll be able to enjoy some of these animated gems that we've curated for your ears. So without further ado... I'd love to introduce my very good friend, Jesse Lemmy Adams, on this episode nine of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. Actually, in the building with the vibes, with the vibraphone. In with fact. the with the vibe. Yeah, you just bought a vibraphone. I did because I have to follow up with my name. You can't just name yourself something and not back it up. You know? Yeah, you don't want to front. I mean, if you're calling yourself JJ Good Vibes and you don't even own a vibes. Yeah, then then who are you? What kind of vibes are you putting out there? Bad vibes, if you ask me. <laughs> What's worse, bad vibes or no vibes? No vibes. <laughs> because you should have some sort of vibes, but you, you can't just be nothing out there in the world. You gotta put something out. Yeah, we don't want you to be JJ No Vibes. That's that is at the bottom. Yeah, I agree. It's you know the the opposite of good isn't bad. It's nothing. One hundred and twenty percent. I think Gandalf said that once. But uh, yeah, we're here in the in the Hope Zone in the Bardcast HQ. Having a nice, uh, appropriately distanced, yet still intimate, uh, in-person sesh. And uh, we have the lovely Maya, a.k.a. Miyazaki, in the building. Mallet Miyazaki. To help temper our, you know, this insane amount of masculine energy with a little bit of feminine drift. Quietness, with some feminine quietness. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> as, as Miles Davis we'll said, We'll edit it's, that out. We'll yeah. edit her speaking out. Right, we could fix that in post. You know, as Miles Davis said, it's all about the notes you don't play. So we're really appreciative of having, uh, you know, the words that she's not saying here in the building And today. she's quietly not saying them right in between Hobie and myself. Yes. So just understand that there's this sweet energy blocking these two fierce men. Totally. From a physical embrace. Yeah, and if, and if you guys are picking up, I don't know if this is coming through on the track, but... If you're picking up any, like, implied judgment, now you know. You know, if one of us gives a take and it just falls flat, you know, you don't got to worry. The judgment's covered here. We, we got you're in the Bart zone, baby. You're in the Bart zone, baby. So today, Jesse, um, well, we kind of just came up with this yesterday, even though we kind of alluded to it on our first episode. Most popular streamed 
yeah. episode by it's, far. It's the heavy hitter. It's the, I, I, uh, you know, my roommate actually came into my room a couple nights ago, and uh, he had an annotated list on his phone with like six bullet points of like how much he loved the episode that we did, and he really loved you. He's like, you got to get that guy back on. Like, nice. you guys had such a good rapport, and I was like, well, you know, we were just vibing. Good vibes. What's up, roommate? Yeah. It's me again in your earlobes. Exactly. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we can get him to listen to another one. <laughs> He's pretty fired up on the movies one, and you know, I've been getting some lists from different people of their nice. favorites, and nice. um, you know, big shocker. I, I, you know, it, it, it seemed like uh, you and your brother didn't really feel the Fifth Element in the way that I was expecting. I, I was shocked. <laughs> If we had watched it in 1996 when it came out, I would 100% feel differently. It was was more that um, when you have certain expectations for a movie and the movie genre keeps changing Uh while you watch it, Mm -hmm. it's really, and you're stoned, there's this thing where you try and stick with the vibe throughout, but you feel like you're on a roller coaster Uh ride, and... There was elements, <laughs> I'd say there was four elements of Fifth Elements that I loved, but there was there was one wild thing that kept making it feel like, is this a comedy? Is this an intense sci-fi? The thing is, it was entertaining the entire way through, so I don't have any problems with that. Yeah. I enjoyed watching the whole thing, but it was just completely threw me for a loop that it was so serious and so funny at the same time. Right. But yeah. I loved it. Hey, great performance by um, our dude from Rush Hour 2, who, by the way, we Chris watched Tucker, we watched out. Rush Hour 2 right after watching that, and that movie is still gold nice. to my eyes and my head. Well, I had to go back in and, and check in on The Fifth Element after you guys gave me your take, and I, too, got ridiculously baked, and I fucking loved it. So it holds up for me. I was like, these guys are crazy. I... I uh, still as good as I ever remembered. Multi-pass all day. Corbin Dallas. Maybe I should be Corbin Dallas for you Halloween. Except I have to cut my hair and bleach it, and that's not it's, gonna happen. It's prime. It's a prime movie, though. It's definitely like prime '90s, prime sci-fi. Yeah. Mia Jovovich. The the graphics still hold up really good. They weren't too bad. Yeah, they weren't too bad. I, I'm telling you, I didn't not like it as much as you think I not liked right. it. I not liked just a little bit, but that opera scene. Mm-hmm. We could just do a whole podcast about the fifth element <laughs> and all the things that we feel about it. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was great. Well, you know, I think what it means is that someday we're just going to have to watch it together. Yeah. Maybe you can see it through my eyes, you know? We, we just, that's what's great about learning about what movies you love and what movies I love is that it makes me want to just dig into the person that is you as well as you know you gotta you gotta multi-pass to dig into me anytime you want so mia uh, really liked that one <laughs> you guys feel that you feel that she put her hand on both of our knees <laughs> <laughs> well that's a great segue into our topic of today which is uh the best hands on knees in film cinema <laughs> um best moments with hand no i'm just kidding Today we are doing uh, another top 10 episode. I know you guys all love the top 10 lists. And today uh, we alluded to this in our our first episode, which is today we're doing the top 10, what do we call it? Cartoon movies cartoon of all movies. time. 
Not animated films. Not animated films. You know, I had to strike a couple ones that were, you know, probably more in the claymation realm. Some Wes Anderson, Fantastic Mr. Fox that easily could have made the list, but I really tried to go for pure cartoonery. I uh, see. The thing is, is I have a little stop motion in mind, so it's allowed. You know, just just know. And some of them aren't features. Some of them are shorts. So that was important to me. I kept stressfully texting Hobart. Yeah. Listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna get me on your Bartcast, mm-hmm. I can't do features. I can't do ten features. <laughs> I don't care about ten feature cartoon movies. Right. I care about some shorts. Features. Well, I am wearing shorts, so I'm representing them as well. But <laughs> I think that uh, short films matter. Yeah, short. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but it's it's good. I actually I had a real hard time even coming up with ten myself, and I know that there's like some big ones that I just am not thinking of. I texted a couple different people. You know, you ask people about their favorite cartoons, you're inevitably going to get like either Miyazaki or Disney movies thrown at you. And I was like, no, besides those, you know, I know those ones, but you know, bear with us. I did watch the secret of Nim today Ooh, cool. just to double check up on it. Cause that's a, you know, classic non Disney off the beaten path. It's a really cool film, but after watching it, I was like, it's good, but I did. It, it didn't make the 10, the 10, I had to take it off. And, and while watching it, I actually, thought of a couple that i hadn't thought of so they made it on the list so um yeah man you ready to get into this ready to go roll up our sleeves roll the titles roll titles baby um (laughs) we got a bass over here yeah you know i got a lot of positive response to your keyboards last time and i almost you know, was thinking of getting my Nord from my brother's room and setting it up. So, because I know you do your best thinking when your hands are on the ivory. That's true. And that's true. Uh, so, you know, maybe next time I'll, I'll have that set up here for you. We'll I'm, add some themes in. Yeah, I'm working on my professionalism. You know, yeah. trying to be a better host. And you're, you're, you know, so far so good. So far, it means so a lot, good. man. Well, as my guest, I'm going to give you the honor of uh, of starting off. In the number 10 spot for Jesse, what you got, baby? All right, so I just want to preface this by saying I put a, I put a couple classics on the list, especially in the, in the closer to the 10 mark. So going with some big heavy hitters that everyone loves, and maybe as my list goes down, you might have heard about some things a little bit less because I'm all about the obscure. But number 10, ten number 10. ten. ten. I went to see this movie. I'm not saying the name of it because you'll know what it is. I went to see the, this movie with my brother and my dad when it came out in 3D in theaters. And we both, all three of us, smoked weed in the parking garage, went into the movies together, three strange Jewish men, and sat down. And within the first 10 minutes of the movie, I look over and both my dad and my brother are both crying underneath the 3d glasses just <laughs> tears completely you know what movie i'm talking about it is up so oh, i had to put yeah. up on the list because of that emotional so many great pixar movies i feel like i try and try and get a different animator like if it's a pixar movie then i won't pick too many other pixar movies but that one 
kind of hit the spot for me um, in terms of emotional story and in terms of her music, which I had to play that theme from up at a wedding for a a bride walking out with my accordion and she wouldn't like it come out very quickly. So I literally looped the theme to that for like a half an hour while an entire group (laughs) of people were just watching me. And I was just playing the same melody over and over because I was expecting her to walk out and everyone just like, what's going on? Um, The tension just building and building. So the music, the the color, the story, the having a character, having those characters, having an old man be a main character, and it still to like be such a popular, impactful movie is like shows like kind of the genius of the storytelling and the characters of Pixar. So, so JJ, for those of our listeners out there who may have not seen this movie, what is Up? Up is the story of a man and a wife who have this gorgeous, beautiful marriage. And this is when the tears started to stream because it basically shows just like the perfect love. And this woman who is the wife dies. Spoiler alert, she's dead. Then this man is kind of grumpy and grouchy and gets this visitor who works at the for the boy scouts and um there's balloons there's flying i don't remember everything there's a dog that's super funny uh just a great there's some balloons there's some balloons they're up in the sky the whole movie was awesome and 3d glasses are a great way to hide your sadness and tears so just know that if you do if you're emotional and you cry if you have emotions and you watch up and you're not affected by the first 20 minutes then yeah you're a sociopath murderer that i feel like that'd be a great like lyric like 3d glasses <laughs> are a great way to hide your tears it sounds like crap art. 3d glasses hiding my tears <laughs> awesome up well yeah i've seen it once i a couple years ago i think and uh, it definitely hit me too. That opening montage is like right to the heart, totally. and uh, and a total amazing choice right out of the gates for our boy JJ. Good vibes. Uh, he's already in the lead. So uh, here we go. Well, that brings me to my number ten spot, which is going to take a slightly different emotional turn. Um, this was a movie that I remember seeing the poster go up for at my local video store. Shout out nice. Video West and Pizza 2. Uh, my first job I ever got. Pizza and videos? It was this amazing spot in the San Geronimo Valley where I grew up. Wow. And it was a video store slash take and bake pizza shop. Anyone who grew up in the valley where I did ate a lot of those pizzas. They had the best crust I've ever had from a pizza. Nice. Despite being home-baked, somehow, you know. And, you know, almost everyone in the Valley at one time or another worked there. And uh, my first job I got ever was putting the tags back on the VHS boxes. I think I was in seventh grade. (laughs) And so my job would be to stock the sodas. And then I'd go with all... For those of you that were born after uh, Blockbuster went out of business... You used to have these like circular like tags that would be velcroed onto movies, and how you could tell if the movie was in stock was the tag would still be there. You go in the video store, you pull the tag off the VHS, you bring it to the counter, they give you your movie. 
So my job was to take all the tags, put them back on the boxes. We and, both worked at video stores. Well, that makes sense. Here we are doing another film podcast. For me, sorry to aside, no, the video store I worked at was in San Francisco when I was in college. Worked there for two weeks. <laughs> First, only only job I've ever been fired from. <laughs> in my low, entire that's life first, first movie I rented was a porno to an old man and in the back they had mailboxes and everybody would be ordering Netflix when Netflix was still having sending you discs yeah. Every so the, their P.O. boxes were in the video store building but they'd be getting Netflixes and not renting videos from the video store mm. and uh, I got fired and it changed my life it was actually the, like really good to be rejected for change i'm seeing man we got already got two different songs coming out of this podcast yeah. i want to hear the song about getting fired from the video store <laughs> that's that sounds like a great great track well yeah you know that our i ended up working later in high school making pizzas at video west and the pizza crew was what you wanted to be on because it was like me and my boy truman and he would just like we would just show each other hip-hop and blast like gangster nice. rap and like get really stoned in the back of the shop, you know, go smoke a bowl out back. And then you got a free pizza every shift. So we would bake, you know, make whatever. We had all the toppings to choose from. But, you know, sometimes we get too stoned. We put a movie on in the TV in the store. So we'd nice. just be making movies and eating pizza, making pizzas, I mean, watching movies. But sometimes we'd get too high and we'd forget what people would order. So that was the worst. You'd have to like call back you know out in the valley it's all the same prefix so it's like 488 you know and be like sorry like what did you want again <laughs> but it was good uh but yeah so i remember when this poster went up in video west for this movie and i was just a little a wee lad and i was like well what's that that it looks intriguing you know the movie's called rockadoodle and it is one of the rare 90s non-Disney, you know, family cartoon films, which, which, you know, you go into it, I think for me, like Disney was such a big chunk of real estate in the kids movie market that like going into any other movie, I was kind of expecting like Disney characteristics. So you get this little like shock when it's not, when it's a different flavor and, uh, it's basically, it starts out as a live action movie. You know, there's this farm and this kid with this speech impediment. And then there's a big storm and the kid has like a fever or something. And he like falls asleep. And then all of a sudden he wakes up and he's in this story. And it, the story is about this like barnyard with all these animals. And every morning the rooster, who's like this kind of... <laughs> Got like an Elvis voice. He gets up and he sings and wakes up the world and the sun gets woken up. And so this, this rooster is like the king of the world. Everyone's like, yeah, his name's Chanticleer. They're like, yeah, Chanticleer. Like, you know, he's the man. He brings the sun up. And then one day some like rogue bad boy rooster shows up and gets in a fight before sunrise with Chanticleer and they're fighting. So Chanticleer doesn't sing and the sun rises anyways so chanticleer has his ego shattered he gets heartbroken he leaves the farm to go to the big city and then uh Dang. the sun stops rising 
because she just is like the son's a, a female in this movie too and she's just like what's the use there's no one singing and uh so the movie's about you know then these evil owls come and they're trying to take over the world because it's dark and so these farm animals have to go and like go to the big city and find chanticleer who's doing like elvis style lounge acts wow. in the and it's all about like the music industry of the animals and they got a te- you know classic story of like the musician who goes to the city to make it but then in the end he relearns that he really had everything he needed back home at the farm that's what i learn every day yeah so these are cool that one hit hard the music's really good and and uh for those of you that like crooning i highly recommend rockadoodle crooning rooster yeah so and and it's got some good rock and roll music you know i think i think it's uh it's a good it's a good uh classic out there for those of you who are looking for a, a film that's outside of the 90s or the 90s disney structure don't know why i've never heard of this but the co- the poster is really cool if you just look it up it's very nice color a there's, lot of color there's some great voice acting that the, you'd like it jesse because like the main bad guy who's like this giant owl he like plays this like epic three-story pipe organ so there's some like nice. really cool musical, nice. eat maniacal montages of him playing the organ and singing about how he's gonna eat the barn animals and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty good. Thanks, thanks for that obscure and interesting pick. It's, it's what I we try to keep <laughs> on this here on the on the Bartcast, a little mix of obscurity and familiarity. So, um, yeah, what do you got sitting in the nine spot, baby? Nine spots another another popular classic. First, first, uh, first movie that I would say that like gave me love chills of like, like, basically the only way that I can express the feeling that I got from this scene in this movie is. in that song really made me emotional as a kid and I literally felt the feelings of nostalgia and love and the Mm. two of them jumping down the hills and that was like a big new feeling for me when I was little and that whole movie is probably one of the best I mean just every Disney movie is great in its own way but for me like that one probably has the most fun story and I'm sorry. What what movie are we talking about? Was, the Lion King. I was bro. trying to get the. Can I was trying to get it from the song. Ellen John, song. baby. Was that the ending title? No, Sorry. that was the part when they're they're falling in love after seeing each other for so many years. Simba and Nala, my bad. Yeah. Shout out to Lions. And um, great musical, great actually new remake was not bad at all. People hated on it, and it probably I never saw it. It probably should have won. One of the, like it probably should have been nominated for a best animated film um, because they literally had to recreate a three dimensional world to do the filming. It's a pretty cool way. It's more movies are going to be done this way. They invented this cool technology. But Lion King, you all have seen it. You don't you don't need to know the story. Just just 
just be ready to cry. Be ready to feel loved. So who's your favorite character in Lion King? This this might say a lot I like John Oliver's Toucan in the new one, but because um, that was perfect casting. Yeah. Um, favorite character? I mean, Timon and Pumbaa are kind of like the ones that you just like, you kind of like, it's impossible. Not, it's like, who can beat that in, mm-hmm. in back in the day? Um, Rafiki's pretty dope. I was just going to say, I was always partial to Rafiki. Like, he's, I liked his little trees. Cool I would, okay. The fruits. Out of anybody in, in film history, I would want to probably smoke weed with that guy the most. Yeah, Rafiki is going to have some, trees, some good thoughts do to some tell cool you about. Finger paints. Totally. Yeah. And he'd always have, like, bomb fruits when you got the munchies, you know? Rafiki's going to come through with the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> the grapes and the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you guys just looked at me for like. I was thinking even, maybe you were gonna drop like An- Anastasia or something. There you go. I should have known when you did the key change. It was so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that's great. You know, we got Disney in it in the ninth spot, and I, and that's represent represent. So. Nice. Great job. Yeah, Lion King. Thanks. Killer. Thanks, you know. Um. Well, that brings me to my number nine, which is another non-Disney 90s cartoon. You might start to see a pattern here. Um, This is a movie that was made in the 90s, but really is like, I think should be required viewing for any of these decades in the intermediary years. you could certainly show it to your kids these days and the message would be just as apropos. And that is Fern Gully. Oh, yeah. Fern Gully is a classic, you know, environmentalist uh, movie. You actually, are you trying to open that window or close it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, guys. it's that one. You might have to lift the little latch on the bottom there. Can we pause the podcast, please? Ah. There are no pauses in the Bardcast. Um... So, yeah, Fern Gully's about this uh, magical, you know, uh, gully in the rainforest um, that these little fairy people live in. And this kind of studly surfer bro who's, like, working for a logging company finds himself uh, shrunken and sucked into the fairy world and forced to start to see things from the perspective of nature and... Uh, and do battle with the it's actually you know if you if you're a fan of of uh of avatar it's like um, the first avatar. it was really Prequel. yeah it was it was based on um a lot of it i felt like was based on on uh fern gully there's a giant you know tree cutting machine and this evil spirit voiced by tim curry it's a great oh, nice. voice acting job you also have a voice acting by robin williams as like a weird bat that has like a wire in its brain from getting tested on it's just like the whole underlying subplot is about you know how we're fucking up nature and that we need to change our perspective told through this like you know heartwarming children's story about a fairy princess and a surf bro and they surf bro find them they they meet on a lily pad and they you know Is, is this the movie where she is like swimming and gets almost frozen. She's like swimming down to the depths and like almost freezes. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe you're talking about frozen? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I remember like a fairy swimming 
I did see. I did see. Yeah. I just heard there's that. a lot of parallels. Maybe it's like Thumbelina. Maybe could be Thumbelina. I haven't seen that in ages. I'm gonna have to see that one. But there's a lot of like parallels to the like kind of doofy guy needing to be shown like the street smarts of the forest by the like clever, That's you know, strong avatar. female female thing. Uh, you know, almost getting eaten by. I think there's like an iguana that tries to eat him, sings a cool jazz song, and nice. there's definitely good music throughout it. Um, I think the <clears throat> the part that sticks out to me, there's this one scene where they find the the guy's Walkman, or yeah, Walkman, like a, v- a cassette tape Walkman that he was listening to music on, but they're all tiny, so it's giant, and they step on the play button. It's like, no, 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 and he's like, starts teaching like the, you know, he starts doing the like, nice. and he's like trying to teach all the like fairy folk how to get down to some rock and roll and fairy folk. Yeah, so you know you keep kind of expecting the Kool Aid guy to to break out, but um, but it's a great film, highly recommend it. You know Tim Curry doesn't. Like, it's like one of the most sinister villains this like weird pollution spirit and uh uh for any of you guys that haven't seen it it's again highly recommend fern gully coming in strong at my nine spot i like these all disney picks that you have <clears throat> these are they're cool they're good they're good you gotta go all disney sometimes you know troll in central park is that disney i don't know i, I missed that all one. the ones that are all disney have really good pollution like bad Right. Bad polluted. The nineties were good in that way. Yeah. Um number eight. Number eight. Number eight for me. Shrek. Mm. I love Shrek. Funny. It was like literally a movie that if you had a substitute teacher, they would play that movie. I don't know why. I mean it's because it's great and it's Mm. entertaining, but like it was I've seen it so many times and it was on D V D and it was like one of those movies you first like you hear Smash Mouth play I'm a Believer. Yeah. You're just like, I know every song. I know every little scene. I remember being like, whoa, this looks real, this animation. Obviously, like, um, there's some really beautiful scenes, too. Like, when she finds, when Shrek gets sad for the first time and his ears go down or whatever. Like, it was just, like, awesome. It kicked butt, came out, Pina Colas getting caught in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um donkey obviously eddie murphy all the other shrek movies were like not never as good as it always is and um that first one mike myers killed it man i'm a big mike myers fan austin powers would have been on my top 10 list right if i was brave enough to say wayne's world too yeah he's he's just great that movie is just awesome i want to give a shout out to my favorite character in shrek which is lord farquaad I know I had his hair. I he's, had the same Farquaad like, haircut for like that whole like, Planet movie game. One of the greatest like antagonists in film. I'm a big fan of Lord Lord Farquaad. I feel like I can empathize with that who guy. Played his, who played Who was his voice? I don't know. Do but know? We do have a. We could make up a name. <laughs> I'll find that one out. And Cameron Diaz. Okay. Was the 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 princess? Yeah. That's just a great. It's a movie that you feel better leaving than you went in went into it. Right. I, I saw that movie on the wet in, in a theater on the west side of Kauai. Nice. We were on a big family trip there for like a month, and we drove out to the west side, and we ended up finding this old, you know, theater 
and it just happened to be playing Shrek, so we went inside as a family. That was cool. Nice. John Lithgow, by the way. John Lithgow Lord coming Fire through Club. strong. But the scene, the scene that I'm talking about that I really felt emotion to was when he has dirt all over his face and he slides down. I don't. You know what I'm talking about? He like he she realizes that he's not like a cool mask. He was masked the whole time when okay. he saved her. Yeah. And then the mask comes off and you're like, you feel for the guy. Oh. I love, I, you're going to see my, a lot of the thread is unlikable but lovable. Gotcha. Big jerk. Big guys. Big, big, goofy guys. Yeah. Hey, that's a strong trope in, uh, in, in animated filmmaking. Yeah, totally. You know, there's a lovable oaf. Yeah. Know. Great, man. All right. So number eight for our boy JJ over here is Shrek. Which brings us to my eight, which is probably the hippest, quote-unquote, hippest movie on my list. Um, and I think that there's a bit of reverse recency bias, which is why it's at its proper spot. You could make a point that this could be higher up on the list, but, it, you know, however you slice it, it's a great film. And that is Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, so a, a newer newer cartoon I think it came out like a year or two ago but uh, if you're a Marvel fan or just like a cool animation fan it's like this retelling new take on Spider-Man and the cinematography like the way that they draw it and that they design the animation it's just like so fun to watch so creatively done it's kind of like more of a it's like a black perspective on Spider-Man, not your classic, like, dorky, white, Peter Parker type. And it's into the multiverse, so you start seeing, like, you know, all these multiple uh, iterations. I think there's, like, an anime Spider-Man. And uh, it just the way, it's, the way that it's all shot feels very gritty and artsy. And, uh, you know, it's kind of crisp in a way. It just, it, to me, it just, like, kept my eyes glued on the screen it's like non-stop you know yeah creative adventure it's a great like one of the coolest anime like talking about the, how far animation has come the art of it is one i almost went on my list but i just haven't like seen it enough and lived with it enough it's so fresh yeah but uh it really was amazing and it and i it just it blew up and deservedly so like it it's an awesome retelling and visually one of the coolest trippiest awesome you know right yeah i i, I feel you i i uh i passed over it a couple times because it was like came up on the netflix feed and i was like eh, i don't know because it's spider-man cartoon like it didn't grab me right away and then i had a couple people whose opinions i really trust be like dude this is the shit and i've only seen it once yeah. but it was one time was enough to make earn its place on my list and definitely will be diving back in nice to, into the spider-verse check it out all you out there looking for something on your netflix to watch awesome. holla number eight spider-verse that's a good one i'm glad that ended up on one of our lists hell yeah okay number uh, seven for jj this is a short had to do shorts short i've seen this a million times and I could watch it a million more. Wallace and Gromit, The Wrong Trousers. Oh, nice. So, like, that, first of all, hilarious. 
the scene when they're in the museum and like Wallace is asleep and like the he's trying to catch the penguin guy who has the chicken head and that was the only difference. And there's just like so many like great little moments in that one and all of the Wallace and Gromit shorts are awesome, but that yeah. one there's no there's no competition. That one was definitely kicked the most butt. It was just so hilarious. That was great. People with like the little machinery in the morning with like the jam. Basically, it's a dog and a and a British man live together. The dog never talks, and the dog's always sort of like saving Wallace's butt because Wallace like gets a new roommate who they don't realize is a criminal. It's like the weirdest, most random plot, and they're like. There before there was all these like what was it like kibble bits on the wallpaper, but the the new roommate puts in his own fish, or he has new wallpaper that he puts in, and Goramit's in the doghouse, and they're all drinking wine together, and he's like super jealous that they're having this like deep connection with his new roommate, and he's like out of the picture Aww. all of a sudden, and it's just like hilarious, great claymation stop motion, and Chicken Run, Shaun the Sheep, all the. Mm-hmm. early man all the things that he did after i've seen and i've enjoyed but like there's nothing that kind of beats um the wrong trousers i love i love the wrong trousers personally i was a close shave man myself but yeah that one is to me the second yeah the, second. the moon number three but you can totally argue yeah. back and forth all day about it and there's certainly a lot of uh great things about this flick as well you know the wallace and gromit story such a delightful, uh, delightfully British tale. And uh, I do, you know, a little aside, my brother used to live, you know, a couple blocks from here. This is probably like 10 years ago. And it was like during that era of like, I'd call it like the tail end of like the DVD primacy, like Bluetooth was, or uh, Blu-ray was out. Most of us didn't have a Blu-ray player. And there were certain, you'd go to people's houses and they had maybe six or seven DVDs that they'd seen them all like a million times. Chicken Run was the one in my brother's nice. house. My cousin, shout out Dorian, huge Chicken Run fan. That that was his go-to. I think he probably had seen that movie like a thousand times. I want to watch that one again as well. Yeah. Because I, I saw it when I was pretty young and I loved it. But the, just the style of humor this dude has is, is very British and is completely lighthearted and funny and cute and it's cute but like i hate the word cute sometimes right like my dad will often say yeah it was cute it was cute like no it was cool it yeah, was right. awesome <laughs> but it's it's just great um and it takes a lot of work to to do those types of claymation stop motion yeah like it's a whole nother breed of totally so I'm awesome. glad, I'm, close shave is actually really good i forgot that one is yeah uh, hands down one of the the, the moon one was like the test run you right know? they were right. working it out yeah there's a couple couple kinks in that one yeah <laughs> so would you say that a close shave it was a close shave yes but, exactly. but wrong trousers in the i end. needed to start with that yeah let's just edit this i like it cool well that's a great uh choice for number seven and totally valid i think of those as like full movies anyways so yeah. um so for me, coming in at seven is going to be my first uh, Disney film on the list. Um, you know, I go back and forth. I had to go with, uh, I got two Disney movies on my list and it was in contention. Which one am I going to rank higher? I came down to just like historically, which one I love more. But this one is still on, on any day, I could say is my favorite. And that is the legendary Disney movie, Aladdin. 
Um, for those of you that don't know, like I'm sure most people out there have seen Aladdin, but if you haven't seen it recently, like the movie's pretty much Robin Williams talking to himself. <laughs> like he does like three quarters of the voices in that movie. Every little side character who has like two lines, it's going to be Robin Williams doing some like, you know, vaguely borderline Middle Eastern accent. All, you know, albeit acceptable in the, in the time that it was made. Um, but it's just, a, what, what can I say? I mean, the music, the songs are so incredible. Yeah. I mean, the main, you know, A Whole New World won an Emmy. You know, I would argue that uh, Robin Williams never had a friend like me or uh, Prince Ali. Those, to me, yeah. should have been the, the contenders for that because they're both just such amazing little montages. Um, but yeah, just truly, you know, there's some early CGI in the movie that, that uh, one of the things I realized, I watched it like a couple weeks ago, the flying carpet is CGI. Mm-hmm. And that's why like it like stands out texturally in every scene because the rest of it is like old school cartooning. But then you have like a couple things like the cave of wonder, the like lion head that pops out of the sand is yeah. CGI. And I remember being like, when it first came out, being this little kid and being like, whoa, like it had this like extra life to it. It felt like kind of totally. scary to me. Yeah. And, you know, the diamond and the diamond and the rough. And they're just like, you know, so many good one-liners. You were born a street rat. You will die a street rat. And only your fleas will mourn you. Like just one of the greatest insults I've ever heard um but uh but yeah it's it's just remains a classic i quote lines all the time of that movie to my friends and uh you know if you haven't seen it i'll just say i haven't seen the new one with will smith but i would hazard a guess that this one's way better Miyazaki mia shaking her head yeah um a lot of judgment from uh from mia hands down jasmine favorite disney princess oh movie. by far i also felt like i was the most similar to aladdin in all the characters just because i'm slightly mediterranean but still i just felt like that like to me i put the lion king because it made me like cry and moist inside as a uh-huh. child but like aladdin definitely is is has a special place in my heart as well what and for all the reasons you're saying Ali with Prince Prince Ali. Prince Ali. Dude, Aladdin made me moist inside too from tears of laughter. Yeah. Cause that cause Robin Williams. Robin is just Williams killed it. Nonstop. Hitter after hitter, all the lines, you know. Another suitor for the princess. You know, That's the like, perfect role for him. Jafar, like one of the great villains, you know? Yeah, like Jafar. from the moment he arrives in the movie, you're just like, This dude's evil. Like it's pretty clear. He's got a cobra staff you know so in new york and maybe other states other than california there's a lot of these like giant water towers that are like in the in the wherever you drive and they look like jafar's temple like jafar didn't jafar had that big round top and slender bottom Uh and every time when gabe and i my brother were a kid we'd see one of those we think that if you drove around it you could maybe see the front of oh. it like as like as if Aladdin but it was never true oh lies <sighs> yeah one of my favorite you know a couple years ago they were bigger but like there was all these YouTube videos of like how stupid are Americans you know and they like ask a question like what's the capital of who's the president and like nobody knows 
And one of my favorite ones uh, was they went around, and for those of you who don't know, the city, the fictitious city that this place is set in is called Agrabah. And they went around in the South, and they were asking all these people, like, should the, war, should the U.S. bomb Agrabah? And everyone was like, yeah, bomb it! Like, <laughs> and it just was like, to me, that was just like one of the funniest stories. Like, you're going to bomb Agrabah? Come <laughs> on, you know? But, uh, but yeah, one of the things that I'm realizing now, because you had Lion King on your list, is like, I'm pr- I, I feel like Scar looks exactly like Jafar. Yeah. And they rhyme Scar, Jafar, like... That's hip-hop. They probably, like, took the same slide that they drew, you know, Jafar on and then just made it into a lion for Scar. Jafar had such a cool face, too. Like, it was so yeah. long, Yeah, right? and that little twirled beard at the yeah, end. Yeah, what's up with, like jasmine in that sand time thing yeah and she looks so cute in that little whatever her fit that jasmine fit is she just like for disney princess like she really worked out a lot because she was just like in <laughs> you know in her temple all the time and so you have to stay fit you don't know who's gonna you don't know what kind of guy and she ended up with a poor poor guy but a very nice poor yeah. guy she's not a prize to be won yeah you know and uh, you know, it was pretty, it was a cool story, like, thinking, of, you know, I feel like they did, you know, that Disney was kind of starting to become more aware at the time of, like, the gender differences in the stories they were telling for boys and girls. And you see a couple moments where they'll, like, try to, like, almost, like, faint towards the traditional, like, boy saves girl moment, but then it'll be, like, they'll reverse it, and it's like, no, Jasmine's a powerful independent she's not a prize to be won you know yeah like, a lot of girls dressed up like her in halloween yeah 1994 whatever yeah. year that was i'm still trying to pull off the aladdin outfit i've i've got all the clothes but now my hair is a little too long i think someday and we need to find you a, a monkey yeah i tried to get my brother i tried to get tony to be a poo but maybe the carpet i don't know he's one of the best, <laughs> he's one of the best. right Cool. Well, yeah, Aladdin coming in at the special uh, number seven spot. Awesome. So, what do we got? Um, do you trust me? Trust me. Do you trust me? I say that all the time. <laughs> um, number six. Another new movie. Isle of Dogs, Wes Anderson. Mm. I had to do like one. I, I love Fantastic Mr. You Fox. Got me. I saw that one late, but uh, Isle of Dogs, I saw in theaters by myself and watched it like immediately the next week. Like I've seen, I saw like right twice in a row, and then I think I've seen it one time since then. Made me laugh. The color, the art, the just design. I love Wes Anderson movies to begin with, but I feel like he. Really killed it with his uh, with with the visual element. Like it was like so enjoyable to look at. And um, if you don't know, it's sort of like a story of dogs on like basically everyone gets rid of their dogs, right? And they they put them on an island. It's set in Japan, together, right? Set in Japan. Um, and so all these famous actors like Jeff Goldblum and um, is George Clooney in it? Uh, I don't Who know does the main Brian dog? Cranston. Okay. Brian Cranston's in it. Uh, just, you know, Wes Anderson always has like an epic cast, but um, then the cats are like a completely different world, and there's these robotic dogs, and there's this warring thing between Japanese and 
all, it's just a lot of fun stuff is going on but visually like it is one of the coolest looking movies ever and you it, and it's like enjoyable the entire way through and um, I'm hoping more people get to see it because I still feel like a lot of people it went un, like missed on a lot of people's radar so I love that movie I love that movie too I feel a little betrayed now because uh, you know I made a very painful cut which was Fantastic Mr. Fox which I would sub back into my list because that movie is you know perfect in my mind and and the yeah. thing that I love about Fantastic Mr. Fox is also what I love about Isle of Dogs which is that like Wes Anderson is so uh, adept at like uh, anthropomorphizing these animals to where you forget they're animals and then he'll put in a moment where they're just pure dogs or a pure fox yeah. and it instantly reminds you like oh yeah this is a movie about animals okay you know and I love the way that he does that without, like, you know, having there, – there's no stitching. There, you just – it feels very natural, and I like the subtext that the cats are running everything, and there's this yeah. conspiracy. And, um, yeah, let, uh, I'll just echo it by saying Fantastic Mr. Fox as well is on my they're, list. They're both – they could be side by side. I have, totally. I have one in parentheses next to the other. Some movies on my list are like that. I just I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox a little late, gotcha. and I've only seen it once. And okay. I just remember seeing I Love Dogs twice in a row, mm -hmm. be, and that's the only reason why it's beating me. But they're equally great, if you ask me. And great choice. The animation style is awesome too. I think George Clooney did. He's Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Mr. Fox. Fox. That's why I was confused. Bill Murray. Love Bill Murray. Um, great. Well, that brings me to my number six, which is another uh, Hobart Obscure one. This is, we're bringing it back to the 70s with this one. And let me know if you've seen this one, Jesse, because if you haven't, I might I have it somewhere on DVD. I might have to lend it to you. And that is, the movie is called Wizards. It's, I haven't seen it. No. It's a film yeah i'm pretty sure it was made you know what i'm gonna have to look this up bear with me for a second folks also apologies to maya because i realize i'm i don't have a shirt on and i'm Sweet. definitely starting to get a little pungent here as i get excited it's an interesting poster yeah it Wizards was a Ralph Bakshi film. So for those of you who don't know Ralph Bakshi, he's like he's one of my favorite animators of all time. Kind of a psychedelic uh, animator dude. He did this movie called Fritz the Cat, which was super cool also. Nice. Um, <clears throat> he also did the animated Lord of the Rings, uh, which was like a huge inspiration for Peter Jackson when he made the live action. Um, but this is Wizards was made in 1977, same year as Star Wars. And it's set in a world in the future. The movie starts with the world blowing up in a, in a million atomic fireballs. And it wipes out all of humanity. And then uh, I think it's like a million years later or 10,000. Some long time. Let's just say a million years later, all the magical folk start to wake up from their long slumber. So the world starts to uh, become repopulated by fairies and elves and dwarves and wizards nice. and there's these two wizards born uh to an elven princess 
and one of the wizards is like full of light and love and very charismatic and everybody right away sounds like you is attracted to them <laughs> and then the other one is kind of deformed and like dark and sounds pushes like everybody me. away and uh and, story about us and they're brothers and so the the good brother ends up in the end you know the the, the evil brother just like tortures animals and mm ends up getting banished and they have this big fight and then the 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 evil brother goes to the land of scorch which is like in the atomic zone that's still super radioactive and all the creatures there are like mutant mutants they're all mutated they kind of are like orcs in a way and uh he starts digging up old like nazi technology and propaganda and um it's just this super cool tale of like the forces of nature and magic versus the forces of technology and industry. And there, you know, there's lots of cool little comedic asides, some, some kitschy humor in there. And, uh, there's also some great voice acting. The guy who does one of the wizards, it's not George Carlin, but it kind of sounds nice. like him. I thought it was for years. And uh, there's some cool, like seventies funk soundtrack. Oh Yes. And uh, he does some really cool, like, one of the things I like about Ralph Bakshi is he uses, he'll use, like, rotoscoping for effect. So you'll have, like, normal animation, and then there'll be, like, old, he'll take, like, old footage from some ancient, like, 1950s or 40s medieval films. You'll have, like, this, like, negative, colored negative, like, transposition of, like, horses galloping. And it just, like, creates this really cool, like feeling to it that's really unique to his style of uh of animation so i can't wait to yeah see that. wizards highly recommend it uh it's it's a good one it's a classic sounds awesome that's on the top of my list of movies to see now there you go um all right we we had number five number five baby halfway through all right i'm gonna sound like a big wig when i say this one okay so i was at sundance 2009 all right Take us back, take us back. The colors, the culture, everything was different. Um, no, I, I went to this film premiere of this movie and I ended up absolutely loving it. And I got to, I'm not sure if I, 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 saw, I went to a Q&A with the filmmakers. I'm, oh, I don't remember if I met them, but I do remember, I just remember feeling so close to this movie because when you're at a film premiere and if you, no one has seen this entire movie before and you're the first one to watch it it's like a really special thing because you really feel like you're getting the first glimpse of something like i did had that same experience with um napoleon dynamite and it was like before it blew up or anything like that it's funny because i had that same experience with this movie called up the five. Oh yeah up yeah the five wow whatever that, happened to that i got that feeling too it, you know? <laughs> nice yeah you you're at the premiere sitting next to me baby right. sitting right between the i directors. think i had a hand on it on your <laughs> knee for, for half the movie so yeah that was awesome um and so this movie is called mary and max and i don't feel like a lot of people seen it it's another claymation movie philip seymour hoffman in what? a starring role it is a true story of a two a, a random little girl who is actually a boy but in real life but basically picked a random name in a phone book to become a pen pal with she lived in australia she had no friends she was super lonely Hmm. and the person that she picked was this neurotic alcoholic ocd jew in manhattan overweight extremely obese who didn't have any friends either and it's literally the true 
the true story of them writing letters to each other about each other's lives and being friends. It's a kid's movie, but it's also a, a lot of adult stuff is in there. It's super funny. Philip Seymour Hoffman is hilarious. Like, the actual letters, like, they in inspired the movie. So, really, all the things that happened, and um, it kind of has a tragic but beautiful ending to it. And um, so many people haven't seen it. This is, like, one of the only... the, the This director made it that one best animated short and then made this after and hasn't made anything since then. And um, I have to say the music is some of my favorite um, film music ever. It just like makes me feel so happy and it gives me chills. It has this like very upbeat piano. Um, and it's just like one of those movies that just makes you feel good. And it's another example of like in animation, especially you can make the most unlikable characters lovable. And like you can tell their story from such an interesting perspective and like this movie completely nails it and it shows like kind of friendship between two completely different people who both feel like loners and outsiders um and it's awesome i would recommend it for everybody that's i'm gonna i just wrote that one down i'm definitely gonna have to check that out it, yeah you're it almost sounds like you're describing like a blend of like amelie yeah. and like uh the What's the one about water that won Best Picture a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah, the Shape, girl... Shape of Water. Yeah, yeah, it has a bit of that. It has definitely Amelie and I would even the Wes Anderson vibe. There's okay. in there. Eric Bana is in it. Huh. Um, Theoni, uh, uh, Theo Collette, or she's in it. It's like only a small cast, but um, just again like that Wallace and Gromit style claymation. So yeah. it's like really cool to watch it and um did you see it premiered at like spike and mike's or something i saw it at it? sundance at sundance yeah so nice. it was um and it's like learning the story of like how long those types of movies make uh, take to make when it's an independent film like an independent animated film takes like 10 years yeah. basically and so to imagine that this story is such a unique story and somehow like basically was self-funded the entire way makes it even like higher on my list because it was so much harder to get to that yeah. like finished product so yeah. um the, seriously just even listen to the music from it um it, i watched the trailer again and it just like gave me chills and giggles it was just it's just awesome chills and giggles yeah i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna have to check that one out yeah i am uh my interest is officially peaked all right, well, we come to my number five, and uh, once again, we're going to be taking a stroll down the Disney road, nice. and this is, this one is like, <clears throat> probably, it's, you know, it's, it, I would, I'd say it's not one of the A-listers, as far as when people throw out Disney movies, a lot of people that I've talked to have never seen this one, uh, but for me, for a six-year-old Hobart, when I was six, was the first time I saw this, it had me. From the first opening shot and that is the rescuers down under uh you know amazing australian tale uh about a little boy who's like friends with animals and he gets caught in a poacher's trap and uh and then the rescue the rescuers you know the, the this is the second the first movie is just called the rescuers but this, this is one of those rare mm -hmm. examples where the sequel actually, I think, trumps the original. And they, you know, these two little mice come to save the day. And, you know, it's just an amazing to story. There's, 
I think uh, John Candy does the voice of like the, Pel- nice. or the albatross. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, there's just this amazing, so many amazing parts in it. But th- you know, the, one of my favorite parts of it all is uh, early on, you know, when the when the the boy gets taken. Uh, there's this montage where it's showing how the animals communicate across the country. And it's like one of those Indiana Jones maps where it shows like the lines moving, but then it'll cut to like a shot of like a crashed world war two plane and the radio still works. And there's like a little mouse jump in on tapping out Morse code. And then it goes to like, you know, downstairs of a, you know, of a building and then it bounces here and then it ends up, you know, there's just all these little like, you know, below the human world is the animal world and it exists on like the underbelly of like what's going on in the human world. I love that. I can eat that stuff up for days and, uh, you know, good, uh, Australian characters got a cool kangaroo rat. Who's kind of like a crocodile Dundee type. And, um, yeah, that's just one of those ones that really, uh, just, just got me early on and, and I'll keep watching that one till the end of my days the villain is so good mcleach he's like this you know it's funny he's he's one of the only non-australian voices in the movie uh he's got a total american voice but you know he sounds bad you know he sounds like an evil character and he's you know always the american the bad guy of course you know like that's rare yeah exactly (laughs) but uh yeah he's got a cool truck with like all these devices on his truck and yeah, Rescuers Down Under. You know, anyone with Disney Plus, you got no excuses. Check it out. It's a sleeper classic, and uh, highly, highly recommend it. I love the. I just like Down Under at the end of the title. Rescuers Down Under. Down Under sounds so nice. Yeah. Not just being down, but also being under. Down Under. Don't you want to be Down Under? I'm usually trying to get Down Under in one way or another. I mean, I guess the down is. Down is south of England and south of, and then under is towards the. I don't know how that phrase exists, but yeah, it's, that's pretty cool. It's definitely a northern hemispheric centric, yeah, uh, term. But, uh, but yeah, to me, like it, you know, some people might read the title as the rescuers down under, yeah. but to me, there was never, you know, a colon or any pause. It was just the rescuers down under. It has this flow in my mind, nice. you know, and no colon required. <laughs> you know, this movie doesn't give me any pause. No colon required. Exactly. Yeah, you can watch this with or without a colon. <laughs> I do remember the bird. I do remember. I see. I'm looking at pictures of it. Um, okay, number four for JJ. Hit me, baby. This is also another one that has another movie with parentheses next to it, but I have to say it because it's just such a classic, and it, it was like kind of like to me when it when I was in high school would be in my top ten favorite movies, which is Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, nice! I had to pick it. I love. I, I actually really do like, especially the early films of Tim Burton and the inspiration and uh, the music for this. Danny Elfman is just like. Some of the best music. Actually, so my um, first time ever performing in front of people was at Battle of the Bands in high school. And I was played accordion for the first time and just like learned it very quickly and waltzed from the back of the room to the front of the room in this minor waltz in 
playing the theme from that movie and it was like the fir- it was just an amazing moment where i was like people like when i play accordion and like <laughs> kind of j- basically changed my life um and that movie just had such a cool gothic and interesting story and um it's a great christmas movie and a great halloween movie so like how can you beat that too like you can watch it both times um and the other movie that that is in parentheses next to it is Coraline, which was same filmmakers and was also a very cool interesting movie but nightmare before christmas to me um is a hard one to beat and it's also just like when a movie's a musical and it's animated i think it's like just gets kind of double points because this is halloween this is halloween this is halloween i love what's this what's this yeah yeah i loved the concept of like holidays having their own worlds when they're like going through all the different holiday worlds and I, yeah. that's like such a cool way to like conceptualize it like, <laughs> yeah uh, it's one of the cool scenes too when you're yeah. just seeing all those trees and the doors it's mm-hmm. different. yeah yeah totally and and kidnapping santa there's like a whole under element of mischief yeah about it and they somehow they're able to like bring to life these like really disgusting weird creature characters totally but you're still like you start to identify with them even though they got like a weird zipper mouth or yeah you know they're pretty freaky looking yeah it's like pretty scary stuff totally and they're like really built like they're really like designed like the size of a pillow you know like oh really they're like they're like this big and they're just like the fact that they shaped and molded and got to just the vision the vision of it is unlike anything jack jack the pumpkin king (laughs) yeah that's yeah. pretty good when he's in the graveyard and he's walking on that thing that keeps slowly rolling out like that, that little cliff edge yeah that's like coming out it's like to me one of the most icon like you talk about iconic cinema that image is right just like just like the idea of a little cliff that sort of is alive in its own weird way is just really beautiful to me right like, then that is like the world that burton creates definitely where yeah. like you don't like your eyes kind of constantly moving when you watch it because at any given moment like something could be kind of alive yeah i like that a lot nice man good choice all right so that brings me to number four um and uh you know i'm glad that we got uh mia in here because i will confess that of my next four 75 percent are miyazaki films they're we my have the favorite filmmaker. animations. We have the filmmaker, yeah. Mia Miyazaki. Mia Zaki uh, is here in the building. And uh, so number four for me is going to be Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind. I was just about to watch that last night. I have never seen it. Oh, my It's on HBO darling. Max. Everything's on HBO Max now. There I you just go. got a Miyazaki box set for my birthday I got from one right Lauren, there. It's in my show. all the films went on HBO the same day. Right. So she just spent a lot of money on nothing. No, but you still look cooler having the box set. Yeah, that's true. I got this. Tony got me. It was like a random gift where he was like, hey, dude, like not your birthday for another six months, but I just wanted to get you a, a gift. This came up on my feed or whatever, and he just got me the Studio Ghibli box so set. Sick. So I, uh, but yeah, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, his first film Ooh, uh, of like the major ones, I think. He, maybe yeah. he did some like obscure small stuff, but this one is like the proto- 
it was the prototype for Princess Mononoke. So there's a lot of similar thematic elements. Um, the protagonist is like just the most like badass female protagonist ever. She's this just like girl that like flies on a powered glider and like explores the again it's like in a in a future world that's like polluted with toxic waste and there's a toxic jungle that grows around everything and she's this girl's living in this small kind of idyllic valley that has it's called the valley of the wind and because there's this perpetual wind like the poisonous fumes never reach the valley and it's just kind of a small vaguely medieval agrarian society and she like flies around on her glider and like explores the toxic jungle and like you know she kind of gets the vibe she kind of understands like the nature element uh and then there's like you know classic Miyazaki fashion you have these like badass airships that have epic battles and you know forces that are trying to take over nature versus technology cool weird like bugs that they have to like contend with and uh and the soundtrack is like whew. Miyazaki always has great scores um and this is no exception like the the score for this movie is like so beautiful and heart-wrenching and from like the very beginning the title when they start playing the overture like yeah. it's just like I'm like oh yeah can't wait to watch this movie I'm excited for you man it's I'm it's, so stoked there's, there's a good chunk of Miyazaki movies I've never seen and that's one of them so I'm really excited about that I'm gonna give you a little easter egg too you know some people are like really big you know the, the classic anime dubs versus subs personally I, I'm actually a dubs guy I like the voice there's a lot of yeah. times with especially with Miyazaki some of the like English voice acting and I'm gonna get it deeper into that as we talk about some of these other movies yeah uh there's just some really good performances and so I want you to watch this uh, and I'll let you I'll tell you that Mark Hamill mm. does a voice of one of the best characters in it and I want to see if you can try to Mark Hamill decipher. the one who did the voice of Joker from the Batman animated series the, well. the very one yeah he got famous uh in the 90s doing Joker wow yeah. And that was the start of his career. Yeah, so he, cool. yeah there was and he old. was in like the new Star Wars movies as just yeah. like an old version of another actor. I know. So cool for them to give him a, like another shot, you know, at like gaining some acclaim. Um, Mark Hamill also has a great Instagram. I started mm. following Mark Hamill recently. I follow him on Twitter. He, he posted a post every day of May. May the, oh, yeah. <laughs> May the 20th be the day that blah, 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 you know, so. Um, yeah, but uh, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, coming in at the four spot. Uh, go check it. Nice. It's dope. You're going to get some Mia. Now that we have the filmmaker in the room, you're going to get more Miyazaki films on both of our lists. So if, you, if you're against that, you, you could turn the podcast, the Bartcast off now because both of us have that. My uh, next film actually is go, goes in – Towards the direction of where Nightmare Before Christmas sort of was headed, actually probably came out before that movie and probably inspired it in a huge way, which is a short film by these two brothers called the Brothers Quay. Barely anybody knows about these people. My Uncle Joe, when I was in high school, gave me a box set DVD of the of their animated films. They've done like some music videos. They are identical brothers who look like from the Midwest who look 
it's kind of weird. So they're not even twins? They're just identical brothers? They're identical brothers, yeah. So they're born, you know, nine months apart, but they're identical. And um, basically, they make these very strange, amazing uh, stop-motion films, and they're inspired by Jan Schwenkmeier. Oh, old Jan, of course. Yeah, who is like one of the, you know, the big fathers of this type of animation. But the direction I feel like that they took it in is like even more interesting to me and gothic. And they kind of tell these stories with metaphors. And basically, it's um, Street of Crocodiles. Is t- it talks about crime and deception and this like basically a character being um, influenced by bad people in a city. But uh, it's shot with weird doll characters and actual pieces of meat and ice and it the the imagery and the design it's i think it's like 12 to 14 minutes long all of their shorts are amazing this was the first one that i had seen and it really blew my mind like the soundtrack is like so disturbing and gorgeous like it has strange bent violins and like i played some of those those songs with my first band because there were just so many cool melodies Dude, you're really making me regret not setting up my keyboard now because I'm gonna be getting all these dun, songs. Dun, 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 this this movie looks weird as fuck. Street of Crocodiles. The, uh, another one that I love is uh, Rehearsals for Extinct Anatomies, and that one has this guy rubbing a little piece on his forehead, and it brings back a memory from him. They have this whole box set. You should just kind of watch all their movies. I could lend you the DVD, too, if you want, ever. Yeah. But um, basically, they're really short and amazing stop motion with, like, pieces of twine and, sh- like, sharp ob- – like, they use found objects, and they just tell these awesome stories. And when I was in high school getting high with my friends, this was the stuff that was, like, gold. Like, mm. no one has heard of it. It's completely avant-garde and awesome. The music is super badass and inspiring. And um, I really want more people to to watch Brothers Quay. They're just super cool. So do it. Do I, it now. I told JJ I'd eat some chips and the microphone. Just to test the, the clarity. For part of the episode. So This is now going to, what is it called, MS... ASMR? ASMR. MSNBC. CNN. All right. Well, coming in, that's definitely the weirdest one we've heard so far, but uh, but tremendous. It's, it's Yeah, they're weird looking. Just please watch the Brothers Quay. They're short. You could probably YouTube them if you want. Just watch one. I wonder if we could get them to link up with Brothers Comatose and do some and do sort of a weird music collab. video. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well... That brings me to my number three spot. Um, and really quick, you know, looking at that, uh, you've been doing so much cool stop motion. I want to give an honorary shout out to my boy Jaffe Riddle. I don't know if you've experienced any of Jaffe Riddle's art, but he's, no. I think he's based up in Portland, but he lived in the Bay for a long time. And just like an amazing animator and stop motion artist. He's like, does some like really incredible music videos for bands. Um, I was looking into his work when I first got asked to make a music video. Like he was one of the places that I went to go research and what does it look like to make a great one? And he's like so good at it. He's one of these people that like 
learned all the old ways of doing things you know like he does it like the legit like if he's gonna make an animation he's gonna draw it you know this guy's a a true artist and uh, so i felt like i had to mention him at least uh go check out jaffe riddle he's got a bunch of cool different stop motions and uh and music videos out there but uh yeah getting to my number three another miyazaki this is the first miyazaki movie i ever saw um i was a junior in high school i think and me and my friends one night got super baked and my buddy was like you gotta just see this movie this is a great theme about the movies we love mm-hmm. i'm someone like get baked and watch an animated film and fall in when, love when i'm high like cartoons are my favorite it's the best. It's, it's colorful it can go in any direction there's like something about animation that is like so well paired with ganj and uh so we got really baked and uh we watched spirited away and for me like this movie has such a flavor and a texture to it and like you know it kind of sums up everything that i that you know in me my opinion makes miyazaki the goat of animators which is like I just love his backgrounds and it'll have this like static background and then there'll be like one little trickling stream and the whole like this like peaceful setup of the scene contrasted with one little point of motion there's something about the way that it interacts with cannabis like it just is like so soothing to my brain to like get to look at that and it like as is my I'm getting stoned it just like plays with me in this way and Spirited Away is the story of this little girl who is driving with her parents and they end up pulling it up into some strange ruins and they uh, they walk in and they're, they, they come to this place. It's like an old um, like carnival fairground kind of thing and it doesn't look like that but that's kind of the characters identified as being that and like the girl right away doesn't want to go in but her parents go in her parents are actually kind of mean to her throughout the whole movie that's something that's like you're like god these parents kind of suck but uh they end up sitting down at this they find all this food and they start eating and her parents end up turning into pigs and it's like really traumatic moment especially if you're super stoned but then she goes on this quest because um, she finds out that suddenly she's in the land of the spirits and she ends up finding the bathhouse of the spirits, which is a really cool concept into itself. And she goes to work there and her whole mission is to try to figure out how to get her parents back. And uh, I could really, you know, when I was little, I had, uh, you know, this real fear of like losing my mom, losing my parents. There's some movies that play on that, Disney movies. And uh, so, you know, being in that really sensitive, stony state, it really, like, called to me that that childhood fear that, that I felt. And uh, there's just some really beautiful characters. I, I love this movie because it doesn't follow the, like, classic duality of, like, villain, good guy. Like, the villain ends up being, without giving it all away, like, the villain's much more multidimensional and there is a you know Miyazaki does this in in a lot of his films where there'll be a flip they'll flip the villain where it's not as simple as like 
a good versus evil di- dichotomy and you actually can start to empathize with the character and it doesn't need to be like a bitter fight to the death every time so um amazing characters amazing just the scent the feel i like, feel like i can feel the steam and smell the sense of this japanese bathhouse yeah and, you know that whole sequence with the with the big guy yeah the big... coming in i saw i saw this was one that i like um saw the beginning of and then i never got to see the rest until like maybe a year ago or recently and so um there's like so many youtube videos explaining the the art and the beauty of this movie because there's so many moments where like not much is happening and it is just telling a, such a unique story um like one academy award best animated film for, i was in like 2000 and that was the only time that one like you know basically like a non-disney movie or pixar won that kind of award um i love spirited away it's beautiful C- can i can i can I trail into my number yeah. two? Let me let me say one last okay. thing before you do, which is um, also great soundtrack, great score. Yeah. And there's that one spirit, No Face, that's like super creepy. And he, there's like this dissonant, like almost like uh, world music-y, chimey sound that plays whenever he's around that I think like was such a genius move to have it's happened in other movies too. But like whenever that character shows up, there's a little like dissonant theme that like just raises tension a little bit and, uh, and kind of foreshadows, you know, the the arc of the character itself. He's creepy. Super creepy. So imagine that world is like one of the most, I mean, it's like basically you could say that's the best Miyazaki. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. And that's why my number two, is a Miyazaki movie that I is personally my my closest to me, but there's three that are the top three Miyazaki movies, and I had a feeling one of these other two would be on your list. Uh-huh. So that or maybe who knows? I'll get to find out. This is right. exciting. Right. But to me, when I was a kid, my neighbor Totoro was like the uh. was just like hit me in a very. It was like, first of all, that movie feels real. Like the voice acting is really good and. The story of just I had a little brother and it's two sisters in this new house and like I kind of felt like I had that same experience when I moved into a new house when I was a kid and um, basically like to me I just rewatched that one um, and it puts joy in my heart <laughs> like the entire movie and the what you're saying about like how Miyazaki first of all never really has a good receival there's always bad elements but they're never like just bad there's mm-hmm. always a deeper net deeper characters there's always strong female characters he basically does everything that like modern hollywood films like kind of always get in a box and do too much he does the opposite of in sort of like the most human way i feel like he's just his people his movies resonate because they're so human in terms of being a good person and in terms of like keeping our planet like all those are great are those are the themes of most of his movies i right. feel like in a, in a great way and for me totoro was so unique because there's nothing that happens in that movie <laughs> there's these two girls they move into a house they find a magical thing the, there's like it's in, it's magical realism so there's a couple real moments where you know they lose one of the sisters and 
um, they go flying with this amazing cat bus, and there's like yeah, the cat there, there's part the mom's sick, but she's probably gonna be fine. So like there's there's not much drama at all, but like you feel like you're literally in this house with these characters, like experiencing it for the first time. Like they run after those little the dust, dust bunnies, dust bunnies, and all those little memories. Like to me, when I saw it as a kid, like every time I see that movie, I go back to like the first time experiencing it because it was just so. Um, real feeling and and also so magical at the same time and I feel like no one balances the real and the magical um, like he does in, in Studio Ghibli film so um, like you you kind of have like a top top three Miyazaki most famous films and um, Spirited Away and Totoro are two of those and uh, I'm glad that they're both on our list yeah so well maybe we'll both have the third one on, on our list because certainly on mine um great man i love my neighbor totoro I'd, I'd say it's probably the most popular when i talk about miyazaki to, to other folks that's the one that gets thrown at me nine times out of ten um that's actually the first one i saw i forgot i saw that when i was like in third grade yeah. at, at my friend's house um but yeah i feel you about all that i think it's really you know to all my young par parent friends out there you know, I think that uh, as your kids start to get old enough, you know, the Miyazaki films are like a great way to introduce non-dualism, non-dualistic thinking, because like the villain usually is misunderstood and it's just about like learning or, or like yeah. showing the villain that villain, well, they're actually just hurt or they're like sick or they're yeah. trying to like. It's never so much that they're just like this pure evil incarnate that's like the Disney, the classic Disney, you know, paradigm. So um, one last thing I will say about that movie, the, I think probably another reason why it's on my top is close to my top is because the Japanese countryside that's depicted in that movie yeah. is so beautiful. so beautiful. So like when I moved to Sonoma, I was living basically across from a vineyard with these huge eucalyptus trees and I felt like I was near the bus stop where the cat bus was like there's elements of just the art of yeah. what those landscapes are that i'm like so nostalgic for like i want to go to japan and see the countryside and see all the things that inspire and i know all of his films have elements of that yeah. but i just feel like he captured the mundane little simple country life like dude a hundred percent i i'm glad you said that because that's he shows this like classic folkloric japanese aesthetic that that i feel that same sense of nostalgia for where i'm yeah. like i want to i want to walk in these <laughs> trees and these woods and experience this stuff like hell yeah awesome man well that brings us to my number two spot which uh if you haven't seen this movie jesse like i'm gonna go ahead and say you can't watch this movie without me oh. so we're gonna have to find just some time to hang because I want to watch this with you. Um, this movie came out in like 81. And it is a movie that was made in homage to a graphic novel. Um, and it's great. Like I watched it again recently. And I'm just like, I love this. It's got everything that my dork side needs and longs for. And that movie is heavy metal and oh. it is a it is a series of tales of animated tales done by like i think like eight or nine different animators 
um, with this kind of like overarching theme. There's like a ball of evil that like holds this girl hostage and then like shows her his history. And so there's kind of like a Twilight Zoney feel to the start of it. And then it's just these different stories and it's all set to classic rock, like heavy metal music. And it's just like chicks with big boobs riding dragons with swords shooting machine guns like classic like 80s like rock and roll culture meets fantasy sci-fi mia's favorite genres there you go yeah i could tell mia perked up a little bit when i when i said that um but uh but yeah i mean the iconic heavy metal cover is like this you know well-endowed valkyrie type woman riding like a, a dragon and uh that's that's kind of the you know the pinnacle story in this but it's just man the story like every one of the stories is so cool and the music is like super badass and it just has this like grittiness to it and you know it's a total bygone era vibe and uh you know there's a film noir set in the future story that's really good and uh i just can't say enough good things about it if you want that like fuck yeah like swords and chicks and rock and roll and side you know it's got that like mtv like early mtv like fuck yeah rock and roll vibe to it um boobs ton there's a lot of boobs in the movie really like well-drawn animated boobs and i would uh, love to see some of those stills yeah i could send you some samples um but yeah heavy metal it's i mean it's a great name for it because it really is just like that classic like heavy when you think of like that in the classic sense like heavy metal this movie is a cartoon of that feeling now what's heavy metal 2000 Heavy Metal 2000 also, you know, worth checking out. I will say the soundtrack is like way not as good. Mm. Uh, you know, this is my own judgment. I'm more of like a classic rock guy. But, you know, the Heavy Metal 2000 was like, yeah, it's 2000. We're going to do all these like remakes better. So it's kind of like Rob Zombie, Korn, uh, some of the like 2000s rock is bands. I, there might be a Olympus. I'll only watch it if Olympus. I, f- I forget. I don't think so. But it, it's it's more of like a science fiction, like single narrative story. Also kind of cool, like dark sci-fi vibe, uh, with a little bit of early CGI. But uh, but the classic heavy metal is like, a, you know, it's my number two. We're in, gonna watch in together not a casual here, here way. on this bed. And yeah. Look at- cartoon boobs we can cuddle up and put our hands on each other's knees i really i've seen clips and i've never seen the whole thing yeah and i'll make a promise to you now that if you come over to do it i will smoke a joint with you while we watch it hobart never does that (laughs) jj good vibes is always trying to get me to hit his joint through his little fingers i've even brought one but i knew he'd decline yeah so well, you'll have to come out here, and we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll make, make an evening of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a little, I have a little. Let I'll explain that comment. I carry <laughs> around with me in my joint case a small plastic, tiny peace sign that wiggles around. That it's I like click. a finger it's finger a, puppet. A finger puppet that you put on your finger that is two fingers in the air like a peace sign, and you put the joint in there, so it makes the joints look huge because there's these two tiny fingers on the other sides of them. Is that the only thing it makes look huge? Yeah. Well. 
it makes a lot of feet look big and it wiggles <laughs> in a very weird way in a gel gelatinous way and i try and freak people out when i offer it to them and yeah. hobart has politely declined if you're ever in the green room at a royal jelly show chances are you're going to see the jj good vibes fingers come out the fingers dr fingers yeah. awesome Jesse, all right. What well, you got in your number? I I, I kind of had a feeling what your number one would be uh-huh. because it's it would have been my number two. So uh, my number one is not a Miyazaki film. I'm sorry, Mia, Saki. She's she's in the room. Your grandfather. She's shaking her head right now, folks. She's she's gonna leave. She um, really doesn't approve. To me, this is a movie that. The th- okay, so. Totoro, all these, all these. I love movies that like make you feel like you're there. Like there's something about animation that feels more real in a weird way. Sometimes, if the audio and the if it's done right, you almost can like lose yourself in what is happening. And I love movies that go in a direction where you don't know where it's going to go. And to me, like when I saw this film, I was like hundred percent in the world that it brought me to and had never seen a world like it before and loved the music the look the style the noir elements and that to me is triplets of belleville mm. so this is a, a movie that has barely any dialogue in the entire movie most of it is music and the music is super strange in that it's like a refrigerator being hit it's like um, three old women just mumbling to each other and it's just like a, a story of a of a, a tour de france biker who gets kidnapped from this evil organization and his mother goes searching for him and she has this giant foot it's a, and a dog and it's like this really strange <laughs> plot like it makes no sense it's kind of a 1920s um starts in sort of that like a vaudevillian 1920s performance when when the triplets of belleville were young they were these stars now they're these old weird women that live together and blow up frogs in the pond and like straight up have this strange life where they all sleep in the same bed and comb each other's hair and it's like they're making these like weird noises and stuff and the woman is looking for the son who's stolen at the tour de france and somehow gets help from these people and i have to say like the the piano pieces it has a classical bach piece that is super beautiful i always get my sax player robbie to play it because it's awesome there is the soundtrack is amazing there's some songs in french it's just like you don't need there's no subtitles really because there's no dialogue so it's not like you feel this language barrier or anything like that and the whole movie from start to finish it's like short enough where you feel like you could just like watch it over and over and um to me this movie like is a world that i would want to live in it's like she lives at the bottom of a giant hill and the first 20 30 minutes of the movie it's him biking up this huge hill super he has a super huge nose this biker guy comes down goes inside the the the, their little french apartment which is right by where a train flies by every five minutes that the dog watches and she gets a muscle like beat like a like a cake batter and rubs his muscles out while he's biking and feeds him like this sloppy food like (laughs) it's like so imaginative and weird like what how this movie starts and um i had no idea what this movie was would be about and um i'm so glad that i it hit me and i watched it and 
I actually there's a few more films by this filmmaker that I've never seen, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But I I would recommend that movie for the music, for the visual, for all for all the fun elements of it. And the bad guys have one of them is a mouse who's constantly smoking. They're constantly smoking cigarettes, and they have these huge boxy square boxy bodies. And so when they walk together, they're like super comical, and their faces are really long. And uh, it's all the characters are the coolest looking characters. There's a woman who's on top of like a bus at the Tour de France playing accordion while bugs keep flying into her teeth, and she's just smiling playing the accordion. And it's like every drawing in that movie is like amazing to me. And I would, I get the whole movie tattooed if I could. Okay, I have zero tats, but I get the whole movie tattooed. Well, I've never tattooed anyone, but I'll give it a shot. Um, I've only seen a couple minutes of it, so I need to sit down and check this one out. Also, yeah. I was I did like a the like derpiest Google search today to prep for this, which was top animations of all time. Because uh, I was like, man, I know I'm forgetting some, and I want to just say like, for those of you out there that are yelling at the at your phone right now because I've we've left someone's off that you love. Please email me, you know, the email for the podcast is called thebartcastmailbox at gmail.com. Also, if you want to, if there's any like topics that you want me and Jesse in the future to address, you know, movie related or otherwise, uh, go ahead and, and shoot me an email and let me know. But yeah, Triplets of Belleville. Triplets of Belleville. I need to see that. All the, like, there hasn't been a movie that I feel like makes fun of weird looking people and i'm talking about like fat america fat just like just really embellishes characteristic traits of people's faces and that to me is one of the coolest things you can do with animation is completely like humorously make fun of what our world looks like you know right so cool check it out well jj i can't i i never would have bet that we could do it again but Somehow we managed to come up with ten completely different lists. Yes, two it's times always in gonna a row. Be this way. It's always right. gonna be this way. Which is awesome. Um, so yeah, so for my number one spot, uh, you know, and like you were saying with with Spirited Away, uh, that easily could have been the top of my list. But uh, I'm always doing this debate in my mind. I got to give it to Princess Mononoke. Knew it. Which I knew uh, Hobie would say that. Yeah. That's why I didn't put it on my top one. There you go. Okay. Gotta be different. I just saw it. Um yeah, Princess Mononoke, you know, it's just the best. Um it's I like it because it's got everything I love about a Miyazaki film. And the story is like a super badass fantasy story. Um you know, I uh, I really just I think I've always felt like I just wish I was a Prince Ashitaka, mm. you know, like curse be damned, you know, like I want to ride a giant red elk and shoot crazy arrows and stuff. But this is a movie that uh, opens as many you know fantastic stories do in a small village, and uh, you know there's this really cool opening monologue that uh, is super ominous. This was the time of gods and demons. And it just, the, this protagonist is this guy, Prince Ashitaka. He's from this law, you know, this tribe that has been almost driven to the point of genocide. And 
uh right away the movie jumps into uh action there's this demon and he fights the demon to save his village and then the demon touches him and he gets this gnarly like rash on his arm that's like a curse that's gonna he he, he learns from the wise woman that you know it, the, it's gonna spread and kill him eventually so he leaves to go see with eyes unclouded by hate and he heads off and travels to uh this forest this magical forest where the gods still reside and all these giant creatures live and ends up running into this girl princess mononoke who's uh just this badass uh who rides a giant wolf and she sucks blood out of the wolf's wounds and she's kind of thinks that she's a wolf and at the same time there's this town of called iron town where they're mining iron and it's run by this woman who like has like a you know she's just kind of intense but also sweet and the whole uh the whole town is you know the or the iron is all made by these um ex-prostitutes these women that like were escorts that got out of the game and they don't want to do that anymore and now they make iron and they like you know fight off you know the emperor who's trying to take over the town and they're just you know they got these cool guns and so it's like it's again it's like there's no bad guys but there are these competing forces at play with these elements of like nature versus technology you know this kind of colonial mindset of settlers versus the like ancestral elemental spirit mindset and then this guy who's caught up in the middle who's trying to like bring these kind of small town virtues to, to bring balance to the world and uh some great voice acting billy bob thornton is like amazing in this and um and just the, like the way that things are composed you know the, the scene that that really jumps out at me is like the first fight scene like you know he gets this curse in his arm but it's not just a curse that's all weakness like the curse actually gives him like demon strength so they're the first fight scene he's like gets attacked by like the emperor's armor they're like they're like massacring a town and they see him and he starts you know they start shooting arrows at him and he's like please i don't want to fight you know like classic bruce lee vibe and they keep firing at him and force him to fight and then he like draws back and his arm starts like bubbling and there's like clearly some demonic forces and then he releases it and the arrow just like tears a guy in half and you're like oh this isn't just a children's movie anymore like i just saw a guy get decapitated or i just saw a guy get turned in half so there's like this real visceral like brutality that suddenly kind of elevates and lifts the storyline into being more of like you know a young adult uh you know adventure and and it you know it just kind of gives that little bit of bitterness that it's not all like rosy you know the landscapes are beautiful there's trees there's magical spirits but there's also some like yeah. brutality to the world it's the most it's the coolest and the most badass miyazaki movie by far and like it's violent and when i there's a sequence where there's a large beast that that i won't try and spoil anything but there's a few moments in the movie that are so heartbreaking mm -hmm. and affected me so much the first time and every time i saw it i just recently rewatched this movie with lauren my girlfriend who had never seen it before and has been studying shamanic work and 
just want it basically sent the movie to everyone she knows who because there it's a, has a shamanistic message about totally. our planet and uh it had such a huge depressing effect on me that i was afraid to watch the movie again uh. because of this the climactic sequence it was just like so heavy and um i've seen it a few times but to me that movie definitely is like one of the strongest statements 1997 yeah. just like um you say totoro mononoke and spirited away are like those top three miyazaki movies yeah. on everyone's list and yeah. they're all different and they're different moods and i had a feeling like princess mononoke would be hobart's because it's such a great classic so i I didn't put it as on my list, but I knew that like it would be here in this be conversation. So yeah. I'm so glad you picked it. And honestly, like the action, the story, the excitement. There's a little bit of graphics in that one. It's one of the best looking Miyazaki movies in terms of like if you were like a teenager, like you put like any teenager would like that movie. It's right. just super cool. Totally. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's definitely a nine, cool yeah. movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool movie, and um. As opposed to two little sisters running around their backyard right. together, right. but uh, it's it's so badass and it has a good message and um, good music. It's it's good, amazing music. It, it's like that's what I'm saying. It affects you. It's depressing and it's totally. heavy and it's not like a light little movie. And I think some of his movies do that and um, like they never leave. They 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 linger forever. Like basically that the 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 point of that movie, the message is will always kind of live with you and um there's yeah the yeah. ending you know the first time i saw it i didn't realize how sad the ending is and like every time progressively because it ends like on a happy note like kind of but like yeah. the more times i watch it i'm like wait this yeah. is like a terrible ending like it's yeah like things resolve and there are some like happiness there are some happy things but there is this like huge sense of loss and change and yeah. it really like the change that's yeah. kind of what you're left with is that like everything will wither things change the most beautiful sacred spirit yeah. that you would ever love is is can be just destroyed and demolished just like anything can. right and it, and it just shows like the delicateness of like our life of like our life and how our civilization is sort of taking advantage of it and totally um so happy but, but how cool are the are the little tree spirits? Those, that's what I'm saying. Those little guys yeah. are like they and they're. I've seen so a couple of different people with them tattooed on them, and it's still like a tattoo that I consider getting because they're just so like, it's like Miyazakian. Like they're like it is. They're like this elemental, not quite like human enough to be like a human character, and yet there are there's a lot of emotive qualities of them. You see them happy and laughing and smiling. And the like sequence where they're walking through the forest with them, and they're playing. There's like uh, like marimbas playing, and it's like this very like earthy kind of vibe. And then, you know, the little sounds that they make with like the like percussion. And um, the other thing that I really like is uh, are the ape people, which are kind of rotoscopy a little bit. And like you know, give us the man creature, we will eat the man creature. It's just like this so many distinct vibes in that movie that all fit together there's there's this one scene it's right when ashitaka arrives in the forest that always it's like a it's like a mantra that comes into my head now when i'm on hikes and he gets to this place and there's all these like magical pools and stuff and he's just like this place is magical 
And I remember being like a stony 16 year old and being like, whoa, it is like, uh, this place is magical. I was like, yes, this is so cool, you know? And so now like when I'm on hikes, like I'll say that, like when I come to a particularly beautiful place, I'll be like, this place is magical. It like has a different meaning than you might, you know. That's awesome. Like, yeah, duh, it's magical, it's pretty, but also it's magical. Yeah. That's that, that's why to me the cat bus would be my first cat because that cat bus is a strong choice it's for sure. Just because it, it is magical and it's unexpected and that's the sequence of like you don't know what's gonna happen and then something yeah. amazing happens. Totally. It's I can't believe so. We have the filmmaker in the room with us, Mia Zaki. What was the hardest experience um, making um, Princess Mononoke, and uh, what do you feel like your legacy will be? Um, I would have to say I think the hardest um, is just going to be telling you that I'm actually not the filmmaker who made those incredible movies. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa Stop the tapes. We got it. We've had this woman sitting on our couch for the last, you know, two hours. Get out. All of a sudden, breaking Get news. Get out. Mia Zaki did not make these movies. Are you kidding me? I. This well, is the scandal of the decade, folks. Well, my list would be a lot different now. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to have to reorder this. I, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Um, here I was. You know, I got you a glass of water. I thought I was doing it, you know, maybe kissing up to a, someone that could open some doors for me About for the Bartcast. Because you obviously seem like you know so much. Totally, yeah. You know, there, I, I was going to take some chopstick lessons maybe, learn how to roll some sushi rolls or make a good well, ramen broth. I can tell you the Japanese countryside is that beautiful and more. You've been there? Yeah. I mean, maybe not exactly there. Have Have you You've been, been there? I've been there. Have you been that to that documentary was filmed? <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, Princess Mononoke, actually a documentary about uh, the third Burning Man, um, which actually took place, little known fact, in Kyoto, Japan, nice. in the countryside. Um, there was also a festival here in the United States, but the real Burning Man allegedly was um, was outside of Kyoto and. That's where I guess some of the confusion came because I guess Miyazaki was, uh, you were what, the master of ceremonies in charge of organizing the event? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Only that event, the third Burning Man. The third one. Yeah. Which in Japanese is Mononoke, right? That's what that translates to? Um, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, you know, it's not a total loss, folks. We, we did learn something. You know, we try to bring you nothing but the truth here on the Bartcast. This is a truth we've, we've zone. Been, we've, been, we've been deceived. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. How dare you lie to Oprah? How dare you lie to Oprah? Um, but yeah, so, you know, once again, we got two, two lists, distinctly different. A lot of good movies for you folks out there to go check out. Some of them bring your kids. Some of them put them to bed first, I would say. Heavy metal, bring your yeah, definitely. They the kids, you know, with the, the one with the baby dolls, you know, maybe put them to bed first. Yeah, or maybe it's a yeah. nice little lullaby kind yeah. of vibe. Maybe you want a Tim Burton running yeah. around. You know? <laughs> um, well, hey, JJ, uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming out here, making the trip out. I know that this was, you know, 
you didn't really have any other reason to be out here and i know it's a long drive so i appreciate that and uh can we one of the things i wanted to do before we sign off um if it feels appropriate you know i was thinking maybe we could start to come up with some good names for your new vibraphone yeah because it seems to me like you got to name your vibe you're so right so before we started hobart gate came up with an album name called good good times which times are what's on the vibes which is great a great idea great are they the times are like the actual like metal keys that you're hitting with the mallets well i think i I have to double check because for a wurlitzer keyboard that has times inside a vibraphone might be i don't think it's bells but i don't know exactly what they're called Mm. yet so i i can't educately guess educately but um but the vibes but here's the thing let's think of a name that has miyazaki in it mm. maybe something extra extraterrestrial or like just kind of like right special magical let's bring some magic into it you could call it nausicaa i have to see that first but nausicaa is a pretty dope name yeah well if you uh if you i don't know what sort of movie stamina you have these days but we could always do a double feature nausicaa and heavy metal they're actually a great pairing because they were made around the same time oh really nice so similar vibe like that's the cool thing about nausicaa is the later miyazaki's uh are like a little more like sharp like the picture it's newer technology like that you can tell that there was some digital work going on whereas I think Nausicaa was like, yeah, like 81 or around that time. So it's classic film and it's got that old graininess to it. So it does feel distinctly different from the other Miyazakis. So if you want to come out here, we'll get some beers and we'll get a slice or a a whole pizza pie from uh, Nick's Pizza down the street. The best pizza in the East Bay. And uh, anybody wants to join us, email the hobart the bardcast mailbox at gmail gmail.com maybe you'll win special guest third member of this yeah pizza party totally sitting in between us just like miyazaki has been this exactly Exactly. incredible experience right (laughs) so the the reason that i thought nausicaa would be a pretty cool name and we can like put this name can be uh in escrow until Yeah. yeah you know you actually see the movie um not nausicaa is the name of the girl first of all it's yeah. like the badass glider flying around but also it's the name of the movie is nausicaa and the valley of the wind yeah wind chime chime time time vibraphone and i live in the valley of the moon there you go already right close to it, that it's also a musical sounding name it's a windy instrument because of the rotors that spin the well, there you go. Nautiloid is like a spiral shape, you know. Nausicaa, it sounds like an instrument, kind of. Ocarina, Nausicaa, they could be in the same chest. And for Miyazaki fans, it's a little Easter egg. You know, when not, oh, Nausicaa? There's a lot of vibraphone in Miyazaki films. Yeah, and the piano and the harp, hopefully. Well, maybe even, you know, I don't know. We'll have to watch this, but there might even be some in the... The theme, the theme music for Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. Sorry, tonight I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. Tonight. No, you're watching it with me, bro. Well, can I watch it once first? I kind of wanted to be your first, you know, but... Well, okay, I got like 20 other Miyazaki movies I could watch. 
Right. But uh, you do own them all. I mean, Howl's Moving Castle, Laputa, Castle in the Sky, both I've of those. Seen Castle in the Sky. That's all. Like, have you not seen Howl's? I haven't seen. Howl's. Dude, that's the one you should watch tonight. Okay. Yeah, it's with your lady because it's a kind of a love story. Awesome. And it's really good. Like that one would be like maybe in spot eleven or twelve. It's about about a walking castle, and a, and a magician. How about what's what's Kiki's delivery story? It's all about. It's pretty cool. It's it's slightly less like magic-y feeling. Yeah. Because it's kind of set more in a, like a mundane thing, but it's about a girl who's like a witch who delivers stuff and has a magic cat. Um, there's another really cool one that I'm forgetting the name of. I think it's called The Cat Returns. It's also a Studio Ghibli. It's not Miyazaki, but really good. Um, but yeah, hold off on Nausicaa and come and we'll make a double feature. Okay. And, uh, I'll do my darndest. Yeah. Do my freaking Let's do darndest. it soon, you know? I'll, I'll, we'll find a date. Make a date out of it. We'll mandate. A mandated mandate. Sounds good. Sweet. Well, JJ, thanks for coming on and much appreciation to you and to... Uh, Miyazaki for putting up with a couple sweaty dudes and thanks for having me sorry about the mix-up you know you can't you can't hold it against you you know as we've learned from Miyazaki there are no villains just misunderstanding I just wish you had pressing in towards the beginning of the podcast but okay yeah <laughs> all right folks well episode nine the Bart cast in the bag Woo. my man Jesse Levy Adams you love too. you buddy love you too Dan have a good one All right. Well, there we go. Nine episodes in. God damn. It's been flowing. Stoked. This the experiment goes on and uh just real grateful that I have such cool friends who are willing to make art with me. Um Yeah, that was a that was a blast. I had so much fun doing that one certainly uh was nice getting to getting to see my friend um and try to do it face to face rather than remotely as so often is the case um so yeah that's our 10 i i still have this nagging feeling that i've left some really important ones off um and if i have if, if there was a, a movie that you think should have been on there like please reach out uh the bart the bartcast mailbox at gmail.com is the best communication hub for interacting with the podcast with the bartcast um you can send questions suggestions things you love things you hated uh you know if you got any kind of reaction to this we would love to hear it and um if you have, you know, topic ideas, uh, you know, I'm do my best to keep the creative flow alive. But, uh, but you know, we're all a, a big village and uh, it, it's nice to be able to get, you know, if there's things that you want to hear on this platform, um, I definitely am open to that, uh, to suggestions and feedback. So the Bartcast mailbox at gmail.com. That's the spot. Shoot me a little email. Uh, you can also leave us comments on the uh, podcast app. Those are really helpful as well. Um, 
But yeah, uh, what was I gonna say? JJ, uh, you can find JJ's music uh, again. I'm gonna plug his album, newly released, uh, called "It's JJ Good Vibes." Long drives to nowhere, and I'm gonna put the link in the show notes as well as links to his band, the Royal Jelly Jive, to their band page. Um, I'm really trying to use this platform as a way to uh, to promote my artist friends. And if you, you know, were intrigued by his character and want to hear the kind of music that this guy makes, um, I really enjoy it. Um, I'll put it in the notes for the show, and uh, you know, a simple Google search will probably get you a lot of the way as well. Um, so that's all for this week, folks. Uh, again, we're, we're keeping the the show running and trying to move on through everything and rolls the punches. Um, I got a sweet uh, couple of new toys that are making recording a lot more helpful. And uh, that's kind of part of the this process that's really enjoyable to me. I, I love uh, one of the things I love about any new creative pursuit is is like the gear and it's easy to kind of fall into that um, you know quasi materialist uh, fantasy of, of oh, dreaming about new gear. But I got a couple new pieces that have made recording this. Um, a lot easier for me and hopefully will increase uh, the sound quality for future episodes. I know we've had some issues in the past, so appreciate all your patience. Appreciate all of you. Uh, much love to you all. Uh, you know, be well and, and be kind to each other and uh, keep on shining.